0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On Air.
1: In the untouched regions of the forest, the kōkako runs through the treetops
2: feeding on leaves, flowers and fruit. The South Island kōkako, with its distinctive orange wattles at the base of the bill, hasn't been sighted in many years and may be extinct. A situation the blue wattle bird of the North Island may find itself in unless its habitat is preserved. Its delightful call includes a variety of rich organ and bell-like notes.
0: Community or chaos, we can construct and nurture community or fall
2: into chaos. Over the next hour, Marvin Hubbard hosts conversations toward creating a fairer, more equal society.
0: Community or Chaos is made possible with the support of Quaker's Aotearoa. You'll find them online at quaker.org.nz. Hello
3: friends, today we have as our guest Scott Willis, who is a, uh, was a, Green candidate for TARI and is the manager of Will's Advisory Group on Climate and Energy Challenges and has become director of Climate Navigator. Welcome to Community of Chaos again. Oh, thank you, Marvin. Fantastic to be here. Before we start, I'll mention that you can podcast this by going to oar.org.nz and then going to podcast and then going to Community Chaos. Uh, Scott, w- what directions has your life taken since the election in 2020? Well, well I moved into
2: consultancy as a director with, with Climate Navigator, which is a a, a climate risk and solutions consultancy. And and I've also um, joined Okaha Limited, which is a not-for-profit kopapa Māori company owned by five five Otago South Island, Ru, South, South Island runaka. Are you still doing,
3: working on housing?
2: Yes, yes, yes. I'm still <laughs> still working on, on housing issues very much so, particularly with... Um, um, Manatakara at At um, Okaha.
3: All right. What are your feelings about the um, Otago Regional Council? <laughs> I I think it's um,
2: certainly uh, demonstrating a certain amount of dysfunction and has for for some time um, now. And you know, we we, we can see that. There are, they've got difficulty recruiting staff because who who wants to work for an organisation with um, governance that isn't isn't respecting the operations. So we you know we've got all the the, the bickering about r- uh, rates rise to um, threatening to to derail the annual plan consultation and delay and delay on acting to clean up our our waterways, in particular the Manohura care. So yeah, it's um. It's 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 not in a in a happy place. I would say. What do you think causes that? I think it's partly because of the invisibility, the traditional invisibility of the Otago Regional Council, and it and it it has been in, in past elections been almost a, a place where people can quietly retire to, um, but but that's that's problematic because the decisions that are made at a regional council level are, are long-term environmental decisions that, that have a significant impact on, on our community and on, an, on our ecosystem, on our waterways. And, and we, need, we need good governance there.
3: What do you feel about Marion Hobbs retiring? And then normally I think in a regional council if somebody retiring, there's more than a year to go before the next election, which there was at that time the next highest candidate is co-opted on. In this case, that didn't happen, and the money actually went to the sitting counselors. I'm not commenting what they've done with it or anything like that, but the money, their salaries increased. They've lost one, count; they have one less counselor, and it may also have something to do with the balance of power. Can you talk about this? <laughs> Well,
2: it's it's not for me to second guess why why that that decision was made. I do know because I was the I would have been co opted on if if they had approved that co option. Um, I, I, I I can assume that my views on on climate action and on adaptation and on clean rivers, healthy homes, biodivers- biodiversity restoration are well known. And that that may have been uncomfortable for the majority of councillors who who who, who made that decision.
3: What was the decision? How much was it a a split decision?
2: Yes, from memory, I think it was four in favour and um, uh, was it seven
3: in opposition? Um, I think, yeah. All right. There's been quite a. It's been one of those councils where there's been fractionalism for a long time, isn't there? Yes, yes. Do the, the farmers in um, central Otago, most of them, until 20 years ago, were dry land farmers, weren't they? Mm. Uh, pasture farmers, mm. sheep, but farmers that really fitted in with the topography and geography of of um Otago, uh, central Otago. That's changed, hasn't it? To uh, the um dairying industry. It certainly
2: has changed. And, I, I, I mean, people often lay the blame for that change at the feet of farmers. But I, I think we've got to look wider. Doesn't um, Fonterra have something to do with it? Fonterra, certainly, and government direction. Previous governments have, have encouraged the intensification of agriculture. They've, they've provided subsidies for irrigation. So we, we've we've seen... On the one hand, a government direction pushing for greater intensification, greater resource um, use, um, greater greater um, um, use of our of our waterways, um, pulling out of, of of water out of out of quite uh, fragile water systems, and and so you know that if you didn't take part in that, you were you were seen as an odd person out. Um, so. So it's it's a it's a cultural shift that took place, and yes, there have been bad practices, but it it was
3: encouraged. So we've always had that problem. We? We've always but first we did wool, and that was it. Back that was back in the uh, late nineteenth uh, century, and then we found we could. And so we sent over, uh, for a long time, uh, hogget halves that had not been prepared at all, no added value at all to them, just sent them. And now we're doing uh, that with powdered milk. (laughs) Uh, And we were encouraged to not diversify, but to to actually uh, destroy a lot of industries and then Uh, late uh, 80s and early 90s due to neoliberal politics and labor and national both taking this Mm. view that we should only do what we do best Mm. and forget about everything else. We're not real considering what is really best, of course. Mm. Mm. Do you have anything to say about that? I've said too much. (laughs) Well,
2: I I mean... New Zealand, when, when, when the European colonists arrived, they they didn't, they didn't look at the horticulture and at the fishing culture that was already here. They, they wanted to turn Aotearoa, New Zealand, into a, a farm for Britain. And, and that, that colonisation has turned us into a world farm. We produce food for something like 40 million people and we're, we're, we're way over... Producing for the wealthy in the world, we're producing proteins, animal proteins for the wealthy in the world. Now, in a in a world of, of climate climate breakdown, with, when we when we uh, uh, um, our emissions are growing, when we when we have the collapse of ecosystems, we cannot keep going with such an intensive um, production for. Wealthy countries. We we all need to to think about how we reduce our footprint, and that's got to mean that farming has to change. And farming, we can't expect farmers to carry all the burden of that change. It's a whole so- social change, but it it has to has to involve. It will involve ongoing food um, food and fiber production. I'm certain, but it will also involve ecosystem restoration and that that must be something that we prioritize and it will also involve energy farming because we can become an energy sovereign nation but we need we need more solar we need more wind so those aspects of of rural development have to be part of our picture
3: doesn't it also involve our zoning for instance some of the best agricultural land in New Zealand if we want to diversify is actually we're putting houses on the fat very quickly, and once houses, it's very difficult to use for anything else. Um, Do you want to say anything about that? Well, I think
2: I think it's very very clear. We need to protect our, our rich our rich wealthy soils. Th- this, that's true wealth, and and it's 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 the wealth that enables us to grow food seasonally and locally close to urban centers where we where we need it rather than trucking it um, from one end of the country
3: to another does this mean we need to help farmers diversify and should for instance the government be funding and doing research on various ways of using wool instead of plastic Certainly, and I think we could, we could
2: su- support the regrowth in, 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 in the wool sector that, that was taken over by synthetics. Um, we don't really want to have carpets or clothing made out of fossil fossil fuels, um, particularly when we have, we have natural fibres here. Um, but we also need to provide support for the transition to a more regenerative um, organic mm. system of farming. That, that lowers our emissions and, and moves us away from um, nitrogenous
3: fertilizers towards something that is sustainable. Climate change will cause food shortages. We're going to see food shortages much sooner than that, thanks to you, uh, Ukraine. Ukraine is the breadbasket of the world. We get most of our wheat from Australia, and we get it fairly cheaply. But we used to grow a lot of our wheat before Fonterra, and the cost of wheat must go up when Australia finds itself being the world being dependent on Australian and Canadian wheat because the war, at least for a time, Ukrainian wheat won't be available. And um, that's one of the so people not only in Ukraine are suffering from the war. The people in poorer parts of the world probably suffer starvation that 's
2: true, that's true, but although i don't think in New Zealand we'll actually have a food shortage we, we will have, you just have to pay more for it we, yeah and we will have to pay more for certain foods, so we, will, we may well have an increase in price, and we will we are seeing an increase in price in some of our our key staples but but that we, diet can change, and we, we could adapt to more locally produced um, Staples, in particular, that, rather than be reliant on on importation of of
3: grains. What's your going back to work um, or the Otago Regional Council? What's your opinion of the stewardship of water and river flow in Otago? Well, yeah.
2: Quite frankly, it's it's been appalling or absent for 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 thirty plus years, actually of of. of of lab, lack of care of a, of a really critical waterway, if if we continue to allow high water takes from the Manuhura Kea it becomes less of a river and and more of a pea and ham soup, as 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 somebody described it in a in a local in a, in a recent um, newspaper article. We we can't we can't continue to allow the extractive exploitation of our fresh water. It's 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 a um, It's not possible to to maintain ecosystem health while drawing down on those
3: reserves. All right, so we need change. Can you talk about what kind of changes you'd like to see in agriculture that will also make agriculture still possible as as a way of life for New Zealand? And one of the things, I guess, that... What like me is the fact that agriculture has moved away from family farms and then on to corporate farms. And in some ways, Fonterra might have been called a, cor- a cooperative at one point, but it's much more like a, a super um, company mm. than a true cooperative. Mm. Well, I- is there... Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here with farming and agriculture and different types of agriculture?
2: Well, I think I think we need to recognise that that farming is is one of the one of our big our big export earners, but it's also a, a heavily indebted sector, and it has been um, encouraged. The farming community ha- have been encouraged to engage in v- intensification and extractive practices. So. We now need to turn turn that ship around, turn that turn that tractor around, and and we need to and um, provide support and research and development not for greater intensification, but for decarbonisation, and not not for greater production, but for ecosystem restoration. So so it will it will mean that we have to look at we have to look at rural debt. We have to look at how we support um, thriving communities in the rural sector so that we build back that sense mm-hmm. of community that was stripped out when when we started selling off property. And we need to also look at how we support those farmers with peer-to-peer learning,
3: with, um, with green jobs, with Don't support for restoration. not they have to make a change? Some of them. What's that? Will they need economic support, support? They may
2: well need some economic support, but a lot of it will be will be um, R and D, peer to peer, um, and and some more support for rural jobs that that pro- provide a social space and and uh-huh. actually make it easier to to um, to change. Do you get that by cutting taxes and giving people more money? No, I don't think you do. Cutting cutting taxes. Isn't is is not um hasn't been a, well, it depends where you cut taxes. <laughs> I mean, we we, we, we we're
3: making a million dollars
2: a year, I wouldn't mind our taxes being cut. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we haven't seen we haven't seen positive outcomes from tax cuts. Tax cuts are um are are are, are a very simplistic tool.
3: There, there are better ways to provide universal basic services, for example. Don't services suffer, and many people suffer, but don't many people also gain? A small minority of people gain if they have a, a very high income in their tax uh, That's certainly true. The 1% gain when we have tax cuts. Okay. So I'm going to play some more music, I mean some music, and then we'll come back and talk more about local... Uh, water and other issues.
1: A song to those who are Born after us What you will have to go through I think is obvious Sometimes I get so Goddamn wild When I look into the eyes Of a child I see from us What this child will learn We teach them a system That I know will burn We continue on, tell them all is fine As we keep on taking, ignore the signs How can we consume more than we produce? The equation's impossible, this is a simple truth Well, lately my head's been in a perfect storm I just woke up in a system that I know is wrong. Wake, Wake up, my sisters. La 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 la. Wake up, my brothers. La 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 la. Wake up, my sisters. La 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 la. Wake up, my brothers. La 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 la. is now fixed in our heads and we think it's so smart to defecate in our own beds but we all know nothing is for free to poison those after us will be our legacy as our affluent effluent flows into our seas comes back to us full circle in the form of disease And she tried to warn us, but he's no longer here. We killed him because he tried to teach us to share. How can we consume more than we produce? The equation's impossible, this is a simple truth. Well, lately my head's been in a perfect storm. I just woke up in a system. I know is wrong. Wake up, my sisters. La 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 la. Wake up, my brothers. La 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 la. Wake up, my sisters. La 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 la. Wake up, my brothers. La 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 la.
3: That's 45 Degrees South, Craig Smith, and Wake Up, Song about the environment and climate change. We're talking with Scott Willis on the subject of um, local governance and water and uh, environment. And you can podcast this by going to oar.org.nz, then going to podcast, then going to Community Chaos. We'd have a bit of chaos in life. Well, Scott, what do you think about the government's Three Waters project and their managing of its introduction? Well, I'm 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 no
2: expert on on the Three Waters reform, but it's certainly um, clear to everyone that it could have been done better. Uh, I I think we've we've seen a big a big government approach that missed an opportunity for listening, and and we 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 don't it, it looked like a government imposing its view of water as as assets rather than um, having a conversation about the larger picture. I mean, three waters is drinking water, wastewater, and stormwater, and and the infrastructure commission's concern is that. We do that much of our critical infrastructure is in need of renewal, and that local government is really ill equipped to do that so so there there is a need for reform um, it's all of that cost is is at the moment it 's going to be borne by ratepayers but it's it 's one of the hard things to do because it's um, so easy to capture rating resource and put it into vanity projects rather than do the, the necessary upgrades and, and we've, we've, got to, we've got to adapt not just to replace ageing infrastructure but also to the climate impacts that are
3: there Surprisingly to me Anna summoned Dame Anna Sunday questions of Three Waters Project early on she said it was a missed opportunity to listen and learn and it reminded her of the reforms of the 90s, neoliberal reforms. And obviously, if you set this up, you're probably going to get metered water and perhaps you get people paying for their water this have the similar experience that people had with electricity reform.
2: Yes, I think I think Dame and Sa- Salmond is, has, has really... Um, spoken about the real concern that communities have that's a very real concern that government has just acted with with um assumed authority to make decisions without first engaging thoroughly or listening to communities but but you know that's not to say that
3: it's some sort of change and Mm -hmm. renewal isn't needed yeah, we, th- we need, and maybe we need a central government project for it. But don't we need consultation first? And don't we need to make it clear that it will be a public service, not an asset? Yes, I think we do. And that hasn't been made clear. Also, when they introduced it, they said that councils would be allowed to opt out until councils started opting out, which is bad. You know, that's... N- <laughs> Not the smartest thing to do.
2: <laughs> no, and I think I think what we can see is that this this demonstrates the difficulty of governance in a period of 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 change and a period of, of of chaos essentially because we we have to do stuff, and and people still want to hold on to local autonomy. But you know, the proposal is for for three waters to be devolved into four. Entities that, that cover the country, but they'll be publicly owned by counsel, councils financially separate so that they can borrow to fund long-term infrastructure. So, so that's really important because that means that, that there'll be no short-term capture of of rating funds for vanity projects. The, 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 the money that's raised can go into that renewal. Well, that's
3: important, but it should not... It shouldn't be on a commercial basis. I mean, it shouldn't be state-owned enterprise basis, where we've had, like we had for electricity. I think that's what people are worried about—that it will start out as publicly owned and financed, but it may end up privately. I, I, I do think there's a risk there, but I think that risk they, is mitigated. Couldn't they be clearer about mitigating it? Or couldn't they? Where has our public service gone? The whole idea of public. Service. <laughs> oh well, that's a that's a, a bigger a bigger question. But but I, oh, it doesn't that involve this. So it's because people, including governments, really don't believe in the public service model that they put in a commercial model. Yes. Well, I mean,
2: the public service question is is separate in a way to the 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 three waters. Challenge because there will be oversight provided by local government and mana whenua. So, okay. so, so that's that's to give effect to to mana wai, o o o the freshwater reforms, and to improve the state of our fresh water. So it it it, re, it requires active involvement with tangata whenua. So how about active involvement with other New Zealanders? Well, well, it does because it's owned by council okay. and it's, it's got oversight by local government. So it's, it's, it's all of, of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Okay. It's, it's not, it's not um, one part. I think one
3: of the things that bothers me is that from both sides, they the, the, it made it an ethnic issue or a treaty issue, and Anne Salmon was opposed to that, and you've had people from both sides one side saying you know if you question it you're you're really against the treaty and you're racist and another side saying this is going to give all the power to undemocratically to the iwi. and both of those are wrong probably mm. But but it means it's hard to discuss it on a rational basis
2: well I mean I think you know we have to we have to be um, upfront that there is a lot of a lot of racism in New Zealand still. And, sure. and, and that means that people will often simplify issues to push what yeah. is either an overtly or a, an implicit racist position. And, yeah. and this, is, this is not about capture by any undemocratic means. It's about managing, managing our, 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 our water in a way that respects
3: our ecosystem <laughs> and, and doing it carefully. Well, what should the government do now where they reach this point? The city council elections are probably going to be uh, affected by this.
0: Hmm.
2: Well, I think we've we've seen um, we've seen the, the 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 direction that the council city council is moving on this. They're not. I mean, clearly, the uh, majority of councillors have expressed concern. All of the councillors have con- expressed concerns with three waters. Some want to work with government and with and with whenua to, to ensure that there is a good outcome. Others want to, to do something else, and we don't quite know what, um, but that looks like a really confrontational approach. I guess the problem is that
3: people are worried that uh, if we say we're going to go along with government, the consultation may not happen really in a real meaningful way.
2: There's always a risk, I but mean, um, unions, have,
3: for instance, often find that they get consultation when they're willing to go out on a strike. <laughs> I think water is so
2: important, and the the, the, clim- the climate crisis that we're facing is so important. We can't afford to to play political games with with our, our our three waters or our waterways. This is really really critical to get to get right, and clearly there have been mistakes, but. But by refusing to talk by 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 refusing to engage, we ensure that we delay and delay and delay, and that we can't afford that has the others have the people opposed to it
3: have they refused to
2: talk well, when I look at the people who have opposed to it locally i don't see a um, a, a, a um, an i a, a refusal to talk per se. I see a positioning for local body elections. You know, I, I, it looks to me to be really cynical. It doesn't. It doesn't look like to be to me to be an engagement with the issues. Okay.
3: Do you think this is why I've never seen the Dean Council being. I was quite so divi- divisive as in the last two years. Two years. Oh, I think back to the stadium. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was well, that was nine years ago, and, um, and I think it was the biggest mistake the, the mayor time ever made. Uh, sometimes you there are issues that do divide people. You think it's just an issue that divides people? It's not
2: hm hmm.
3: there i mean i think
2: this is this is the challenge of of governance in in a climate a climate crisis we have to make hard decisions and we have to show leadership and and that is going to upset the status quo but but we can't assume that business as usual can continue that's that's the challenge we face so it's not it's not about um about trying to avoid disrupting things. It's about trying to do the right right thing and, okay. and follow the science and, and follow, you, follow follow yeah.
3: um, an ethical way, an ethical approach. Okay, then if you're going to do that, you actually need to, I think part of the ethics is consultation. Or engagement and, <laughs> and enabling participation. Yeah, and I don't think that's happened.
2: I think it could have happened so i i I think the
3: situation has definitely not been perfect. i agree um, that I think they made two mistakes, not engaging a lot beforehand, mm. and making promises that they couldn 't keep yes i
2: i mean i well, I think everyone agrees that the government has not handled the three waters reform well, and that's but but that's
3: the situation we we're, we're faced with now and and we can What would you ask the government to do if you could Sorry? What would you ask the government to do now?
2: <laughs> well, I think the government is now listening and I think the government needs to to slow down and go talk again and go and listen again to the concerns that have been raised and start start navigating their way through those concerns.
3: Okay. Well, probably said as much as we can say about three waters. Uh, To me, I suppose it's partly COVID, but it's too bad this didn't start to play out a year ago, earlier. They don't have a lot of time. Mm. Do you want to talk about the latest uh, intergovernment panel on climate change report and what it means for Togo? Uh, climate change and adaptation, and our options. Well, the, the the latest IPCC
2: report is deeply deeply concerning, as we knew it would be, and it and it simply says that we can't we we can't keep on delaying action on both mitigating and adapting to to the climate impacts that are occurring. So. We need to fast track a whole lot of work on adaptation now, and we also need to to fast track, or and promote public transport, active transport, electrified transport, as as one of the simplest and quickest ways to decarbonise. Um, Dunedin, Dunedin Council under under Mayor Aaron Hawkins has shown real leadership in setting a, a zero carbon by twenty thirty target. That's that's. That's eight less than eight years away, and to do that, we need to we need our local government, we need a, an effective city council working in partnership. So we need an effective Otago Regional Council as well, and and hopefully this year's elections will get us some some um, progressive councillors. We need those two working hand in hand to to advocate for central government partnership on the transition that we want to make as, a, as an urban area, as a city, and as a, as a regional hub. So that, that, is, that is really critical. We need that, that political leadership to, to ensure that we have alignment with government policy. And there are some good things coming out of government. They're just too incremental. They're too small. So, so we, need, we need the local leadership to be able to advocate for the changes.
3: The, um, do you expect that the next, uh, after the elections, will the ORC consider, um, or should buses be under Dineen City? Dineen's a huge geographic area. It's, it's, it's huge. It goes well, well into Central Otago should we be running the buses or should the regional council be running buses
2: that's a really open question i mean if if we look at the the city council provides the bus stops and and provides the infrastructure for bus stops but doesn't control the buses and the the uh, regional council controls the buses and i i think the problem isn't who controls the buses at the moment the problem is the relationship between the orc and the dcc and that 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 needs some attention because there's not. It's not a joined-up approach, and critical um, public and public transport is really critical for our urban areas in particular. So it makes sense a for there to be um, community ownership or, or local ownership of public transport, local government ownership of public transport, and um, Decisions about how it's going to best fit for a decarbonised city, and the re- the reason why we need both of those parties to work together is that if we are to truly decarbonise, they all need to be. It all needs to be electrified as well, and that means we need to be planning yesterday, or at the very latest today, for where that electrical infrastructure will be placed. and And if they're not working together, they can't give the signals to Aurora. About about the infrastructure requirements for electrifying our public transport fleet, and all of that is critical. So so we we need we need strong and effective and collaborative local government. All right.
3: And are you fairly confident that, that may happen after the next elections?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we we we've got. Um, we've got a we've got a, a, a mayoral candidate who's who's shown his worth um, and um, shown leadership through difficult times and is a positive cares for the city and and is one of the the, the most progressive mayors we've had um, so uh, my my hope is that he will prevail again and that there will be a majority city council um, elected who who have a progressive approach the ORC is a is a is a challenging one because of the the um, the cons, uh, constituencies that make up the the the, the, um, the councillors um, and I don't know how that will that will go I honestly don't know I, we're still we will see who comes out of the woodwork to stand as candidates, and um, I think it's our job to interrogate them, to look at their track record, and to, and to make sure that we elect the, the best available.
3: Okay. Well, I'm going to play some more music, and then we'll go on to... More questions about sea level rise and other issues.
0: He's a walking, talking lie in a banker's suit and tie, just a cowboy on the lone prairie. He says he's your saddle pal. Put your stock in his corral But he'll steal your horse before he takes his feet He's driving cattle in his sleep The herd's a half a million deep And the trail ahead's as pretty as you please To the stockyards they will go For their final rodeo While the campfire smoke Blows softly through the trees It's time to get along Sets on the trail, and you hear that closing bell. You can still pretend that you're a friend of mine. Yo, Galayo, Galayo, Down on the jobs that left this town. When the stampede come and the banks they all went bust. Where did all that money go? Well, I guess we'll never know. We trust in God when we put it all in trust. Now it's time to get along, little doggie And move that rounder's money up the line And when the sun sets on the trail And you hear that closing bell You can still pretend that you're a friend Still pretend that you're a friend of mine you delay delay delay
3: Our friends were talking with uh, Scott Willis about um, climate change and adaption, and other local issues. Well, how severe are the problems we face? And what time frame are we looking at with sea level rise and other climate issues?
2: Well, I mean, we, we're out of time, essentially. We, we, don't, we don't have time to delay action now. We have sea level rises underway. With, with sea level rise, we're seeing greater extremes in climate variability, greater frequency of adverse events. Um, so, so, so we're out of time to think about it and to, 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 to wait. We now need to adapt while we reduce our emissions.
3: So how would you adapt?
2: Well, for example, um, one local example is, is Forbury Park Raceway. That's that's been um, that it's no longer a racetrack, and there's questions about what we should do there. It's clear some people would think South Dunedin's nice and flat. Why don't, and we need housing? Why don't we put some housing in, in Forbury Park? The the risk there is that we we will end up with drowned assets because we have. A, a flood prone part of the city that could provide some flood protection, it could become a wetland with um, with opportunities for recreation uh, in a flood event or or as as the waterways fill up. but if we fill it in with housing, we create a problem that we then have to to um, rescue. People and and pump water away when when we have flood events. So so we've got a choice here between um, respecting the science and adapting as a consequence and planning for that, or ignoring it and and building assets in places where they will be lost.
3: One of the things I've noticed is changing in well, it's changing in the place where I live, but. A lot of the housing that was built in the, uh, the first part of the, 20th, first, the 21st century and the last part of the 20th century. A lot of concrete, not only concrete in the houses, but the, uh, a lot of asphalt and concrete and not much in the way of uh, drain, natural drainage. Because every time you build a large driveway and a large parking space, you actually are increasing the um, if what the if, uh, what we have to bury in the way of surplus water. Could you talk about that a little? Bit?
2: Yes, I think I think we
3: need we need to think about. Permeable
2: surfaces, so we need, we need some local uh, local regulations around uh, better regulations around increasing permeability of of surfaces. So so that if, for example, we have we have a, a driveway, we should be using gravel or 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 something that allows water to soak in, rather than putting concrete down. Concrete with its high emissions, etc. Um, but you know. Bigger. The bigger question is how do we how do we reduce the need to create hard surfaces by increasing public transport and access to public transport, and how do we encourage people to grow gardens, um, plant more trees in neighbourhoods mm. to um, to soak up and to and to moderate um, mm. moderate climate as well.
3: My area in Helena Street. Mm. Now Ma people have gone to trees, particularly native trees and plants and shrubs, instead of lawns and concrete. Well, that's fantastic. And it happened really, basically, one woman about 20 years ago started planting uh, native shrubs and trees in her yard, a Mari uh, woman, and the rest of us followed suit. Mm. fairly fairly shortly.
2: Mm. I think that's a story about the power of of um, a, a positive influence in the community and and we can see that more and more. there are the, in, in, in my where I live in Waitati, we have, um, we have some new housing thats that's that's um, been built in in the recent decade and and all of those homes have, have had extensive plantings. And bird life has come back, some possums and rabbits as well, but um in particular the bird life and that's that's a really positive thing um on what yeah. was essentially a bare hillside
3: okay you've mentioned electrifying public transport does that include electrifying trains yes, mm-hmm. yeah and how about um do we also need in the larger sense um, to bring about uh, Offshore uh, freight, um, moving goods by sea, whistle shipping.
2: We certainly do, and and the government has talked about a blue highway, but um, without with, without a, a decarbonised blue highway. And I think we, we have many examples of how we could how we could increase coastal shipping and we need to increase and plan for coastal shipping because we, we will have less, um, less, less stable land routes in, in certain places when we, when we have more extreme events. So coastal shipping is one way that we can keep uh, moving, keep mobility um, and ensure distribution of resources.
3: What are the things would you like to see happen? <laughs> what are the things
2: I'd like to see happen? I would like I would like everyone um, I would like global leaders to 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 implement their um, visions to achieve one point five degrees, not n- nothing more. So I would like them to implement stuff rather than talk about it. I would like them to implement it. I would like to see. Local leaders implement the changes that we need. So for for Dunedin, I'd like us to become 100% renewable electricity, replacing our um, our transport fuels with electrons, and ensuring we had full public transport, free public transport circulating around the city, and out to the the um, the suburbs. So, those are are, just a small ask, but...
3: (laughs) So those are your hopes. (laughs) How do we... I mean, the governments, including our own, have almost been very cautious, let's put it that way. That's the nice way of saying it, about dealing with climate change. How do we change that?
2: We talk about the, our concerns. We talk about our values, and and we 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 think about what we're leaving for our children. I think people forget how how um, rich a um, a life you can have with simple pleasures: spending time in the garden, spending time with family spending time with friends, and those things are um, m- much more rewarding for many people than, than buying the next um, large-screen TV
3: or jet boat okay. or, or whatever. Thanks a lot for those thoughts, Scott. We really appreciate it. You're welcome.
0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.